Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Carrie Sanders on helping inmates re-enter the workplace. You know, we are doing missions and discipleship in the context of a prison. Yeah, our 96% success rate is great, and that's saving South Carolina taxpayers $12 million a year. And, you know, all of that markets pretty well. But what we're really trying to do is disciple men and women so they're living passionately for Jesus Christ, and they are then making other disciples breaking generational cycles of crime and poverty in their family and in their neighborhood, showing up for employers and working for the Lord and not for people, and really just allowing their lives to be a testament and a trophy of God's grace. Carrie Sanders, coming up next. guest today on His People was arrested 17 times before he turned 17. He served three sentences in the juvenile justice system, and he was released on his 17th birthday only to shoot someone during an armed robbery three months later. He faced a life sentence but was released for good behavior and now works to mentor others with the gospel of Jesus and a message of hope. Patrick Herman is with Kerry Sanders, executive director of Jumpstart Vision. A South Carolina man is helping inmates re-enter into the workforce by giving them a skill and a purpose. Kerry Sanders, welcome to his people. Yes, sir. Excited to be here. Now, we're going to get into what you're doing to help these inmates to accomplish with, with a program called Jumpstart. But first, I think we need to hear about your story. You spent time in prison. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, sir. So I would, I would say I grew up in a really good family, but not a Christian family. Um, My mom had my brother at 16 and me at 18, um, and then she had twins at the age of 22, Um, and her and my father split um, when I was probably about two years old, and so she was a hard worker, tried to teach us good morals, um, and but we weren't a church-going family. That's just not something we did. Um, As I got into my early adolescent years, um, I had a lot of insecurities. And a lot of those insecurities centered around a need for affirmation and respect and some of those kind of things. And so I began getting into all kind of trouble um, because in the kind of culture we grew up in, there's a little area in South Carolina called the Dark Corner. That's kind of notorious for moonshine running and just a rejection of the law and that kind of thing. And so I kind of embodied some of that. That was kind of my identity, if you will. And um, by the age of 17, I had been arrested 17 different times uh, for fighting, stealing, vandalism, all kind of things. Um, I served three different sentences in the Department of Juvenile Justice. And um, they let me out for my 17th birthday. And I said, hey, I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm tired of getting in trouble and wasting my life. Um, And three months later, I shot someone during an armed robbery. Um, I had no power within me to change me. Um, I was apprehended in Canada um, as an international fugitive from justice and um, extradited back to South Carolina by the Department of Homeland Security. Um, and in May of 2005, I was I was facing a life sentence and probably um, because of the things I had did, maybe I deserved one. And I was an atheist on the verge of suicide. I didn't believe in God, heaven or hell, and didn't think I had 
any reason to continue living. Hmm. And, um, I, you know, I just said, God, if you're real, I want to know. Um, psychologists would say I had maybe enough self-preservation left to try to hold on to some form of truth. Um, but I would say God um, didn't give up on me. Yeah. And so um, I read an article in a, in a Bible about how to have a new life in Christ and repented of my sin and placed my faith in Christ. Um, I went on to serve nine years in the South Carolina Department of Corrections and, and can share a little bit about that if you wish. But that's a kind of a, a, a quick snapshot of my story. Well, and I think fast forwarding it to today. So you said you were 17 and you had the desire to change, but you didn't have the tools to change. And that's really what's led you to what you're doing right now with this ministry. So let's get into that a little bit um, and talk about mentors and what you're doing. What are, What is the ministry of Jumpstart all about? Yeah, so Jumpstart begins serving individuals while they are still incarcerated. Um, so we have a year-long intensive discipleship program where individuals are working through curriculum we've created um, to help them learn how to follow Jesus in a real and in a life-transforming way. Um, Throughout the year, they're completing homework, and then once per week, they're coming to class and participating in relational discipleship small groups. Hmm. Um, Currently, we're active in 18 prisons in South Carolina, and about 1,000 people are in those classes um, on any given week. We have about 150 volunteers across the state who go in and participate in those life groups each week. Um, I think one of our competitive advantages or maybe one of our distinctives from other prison ministries is that we're using a 25-question objective assessment to help measure out, is this individual living their life as a believer, or are they just showing up and using Christian vocabulary in class? Right. And so what we're doing is not jailhouse religion. Of those thousand who take the program every year, only about 400 will complete it successfully. Wow. Uh, and because we're actually measuring out, are they living as a disciple? If they complete the inside program successfully, um, once they're released, they're eligible for our transitional program. Our transitional program includes um, mentoring, a one-on-one mentor, involvement with a local church, housing, transportation, and employment. Hmm. Um, and case management. So individuals coming to us are actually living in housing that we are providing. We're providing their transportation to and from work. um, And we've partnered with about 40 employers who are willing to say, hey, regardless of their record, if they've completed your program, um, then we're going to give them an opportunity here in the workforce. That's huge, I would say, because what an incentive. There's There's a lot of inmates that have family they can return to, but a lot of them don't. And this, right, this is a bridge for them. And I think it's 16 beds right now that you guys have in South Carolina. Is that enough? Well, well, currently we have capacity for 40 men and women, for, um, for 30 men and for 10 women. And currently that's how many we have in our program. Um, because of our success rate, we've got a 96% state verified success rate of people completing our program not returning to prison. So one of the lowest in the nation there, the gospel works. Um, and But because of that success, we've had an increased demand. And so currently we're building a 22-home neighborhood here in the upstate of South Carolina that mm. will serve 106 men and women at any one time. That is impressive. So 4% 
make it through your program, go all the way, and then end up with they, they may get rearrested or, or something like that. They go back into prison, but 96% are out there and living on their own. Yes, sir. That is correct. That is great. And so you actually set up a job for these folks before they leave prison. It's sort of like, you know, upon graduation, having a job coming out of college, but you're doing this coming out of prison. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Tell me about those businesses. And I think there were some struggles trying to get them on board and having them hire inmates, right? Of course. You know, a decade ago, it was a real struggle for our organization to get any employer to take a chance. Mm -hmm. Uh, But thankfully, um, a C-12 group heard about us. C-12 is a group of Christian executives um, trying to apply their faith in the workplace. And a couple of them said, you know what, we'll give them an opportunity. And what they found, Patrick, was that the jumpstart individuals were more were hungrier for a second chance. They didn't have that entitlement mentality that's so common in the workplace. And those showed up and did the work of two or three people because they were like, hey, I know I've made some mistakes and I need to prove myself here. And now we've got a couple of employers in the Spartanburg area that they give preference to jumpstart candidates wow. over other people in the community. Oh, that's impressive. So they're just finding that these are good, hard workers. Right, that that are thankful to have someone take a chance on them. There was uh, there's one of your wardens, uh, and you said how many different prisons? Eighteen prisons you're working with? Yes, sir. All right, so there's a, one of the wardens, John Pate in Fairfax, South Carolina. He's quoted as saying, "A man has to have a purpose," which makes me think of Jeremiah 29. Um, you know, I've given you a hope and a plan and a purpose and, and a future. Is that Absolutely. what your main goal is for these guys? Yeah, one of the first keys we believe to success is helping them realize that they were created for God's purpose and not their own, Hmm. that he is the creator and they're just a creature. And so with that, they need to submit to his authority in their life rather than thinking they can dictate the terms of life and the outcomes for the sovereign. Yeah, no, there's a sovereign king who they need to submit to in life. Um, And that's their purpose in life. I was thinking, you know, you were saying 90, you're really uh, focused on the positive and I I guess I keep throwing in the negative, but there was 4% that do get uh, back in prison. They, they do their whoops or whatever they do. Uh, Do you allow those 4% to actually get back in your system? Have you ever seen that in the 10 years you've been doing it? We actually extend them invitations that we want them to come back and say, Hey, we're sorry. It didn't work this time, but God still loves you. He's still got a plan for your life. Um, and he wants to extend you grace and mercy. How has that gone? Have you ever had somebody going through there twice and just say, I, I don't know why I did this again, but I did. And they're back. In yeah. Prison. We recently, we recently had a person who they went through our inside program was a shining star. Yeah. Was doing great in our outside program and an old relationship with an old flame got him off track. Um, they ended up, got pulled back into substance abuse, ended up incarcerated again. And they have to come through our inside program again if they want to come back to transitional housing. And so they came back through transitional housing. And this year they purchased a home the second time completing it. They they realized the opportunity they had. that They may not have it again. You must just smile like crazy when you see this happening for other people. That's what happened to you. This is your story. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And. Yeah. Even before we began this program, I mean, I, uh, y- y- there's a picture on your Zoom account showing you with your son on your shoulders walking through the forest, but uh, you, you have a full fam. Tell me about the, just the blessing that comes with uh, the freedom that, uh, of leaving all, that all behind. Tell me about that. 
Yeah, I, um, you know, prior to going to prison, I never really had any goals or ambitions in life. I just, I live for, I'm going to do whatever makes me happy in the moment. Yeah. Um, about a year before I was released, Patrick, a Jumpstart volunteer encouraged me to go to college when I got out. And I was like, hey, sir, I think, you know, I think you're a great guy. Um, but I think you think this may be a summer camp or something. I'm not getting out and going to college. This is a prison. And the only education I've got is a GED. I got here in prison. And he kept encouraging me. And I ended up and got a full scholarship to a university that I had a lifetime trespassing ban from for stealing and breaking into things, a wow. Christian mm-hmm. university, North Greenville University. And I was able to do undergrad there, get a master's in management and leadership at another university. And then I've just finished up a doctoral program at North Greenville. Um, uh, so I was inmate Sanders. And now, while I still prefer for people to call me Carrie, I can legitimately be called Dr. Sanders. So nice. that feels pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I've got a wife and two children. Um, I've become a homeowner. And, you know, last week marked my nine year anniversary of being out of the Department of Corrections. And so I've been home nine years now. And, and, and I can say, that as I've lived, surrendered to Jesus Christ, he has exceeded my greatest expectations. Carrie, what was the toughest thing for you making that transition? Because that's the big, that's the crux of the matter, whether you're going to make it or break it. Um, continuing to believe the gospel, just continuing to preach the gospel to myself that I am not mm-hmm. an ex-convict. I'm a son of God. I am not, um, I'm not to live in shame and regret. God has removed that as far from me as the East is from the West um, to realize that I am um, completely dependent on God's grace and mercy um, for the things I've done in the past, but also to live for his will in the present. And so I think that awareness of that in me dwells no good thing, that I'm daily dependent upon the grace of God um, has, um, if anything, been my anchor. That's a message for all of us, right? I mean, that's any teenage kid trying to become an adult man or woman, they need that message. Right. Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, um, the program teaches technical training, technical aspects. So give us a little insight about what they're learning and and what you're doing to, to motivate them to say, become a, a, a productive, purposeful person in life. Yeah, so I think the primary thing we're doing is is we are encouraging them to live for God's will, and we're encouraging them to be involved in Christian community so they have encouragement and accountability. Um, We're helping them see that they were created to become like Christ. And so there's that aspect of, okay, so you've put the label of yourself on yourself as a disciple. How do you live that out? How do you live daily surrendered to Christ? And I would say that's the core thing we're doing, because if someone's heart's aligned and the purpose of their life is, I want to please God, um, then as challenges and temptations come up, um, they know where to turn. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, a lot of other types of programs, they really just try to put lipstick on a pig. You know, until, until that heart issue is dealt with, um, you really haven't accomplished a whole lot. So how do you set that up? You have mentors and I would, do you have a lot of them? I mean, is how one person take us through the program, one person going through there, how many mentors are you talking about a whole fellowship, uh, a church fellowship? 
what does it look like? How do you keep them uh, to where they realize they need to be accountable and, and who are, you know, all of those things? Yes. So on our inside program, they're working through curriculum that is teaching them how to study the scriptures, how to practice the spiritual disciplines, asking, you know, they're doing role playing exercises, all of those things when they come to And then they have church groups coming in from the outside to help them. And then I would say another distinctive of our program is our frontline leaders on the inside are other inmates that, that have become believers and that we've trained to be missionaries in the prison system. Great. Um, and so it's kind of like an indigenous missionary approach. If you consider the, you know, the prison yard, a third world mission country, which it really is yeah. in a third world environment. Um, and then on the outside, each individual in our transitional program um, is involved in the life of a local church, not as a consumer um, where they're just showing up to listen, but they have to actively be serving in a local church. Hmm. I mean, some capacity on the parking team, on the greeting team, you know, on the cleanup team, serving in some capacity. Um, they each receive a mentor. They're paired up with a mentor that we've trained that's checking in on them every single week. Um, they're placed in a small group within our program with eight to 10 other participants um, where they are doing a, you know, kind of a life group together every single week. They're encouraging one another. Once a month, they're doing some type of fun social activity together. Um, and then once per week, you know, kind of organization-wide for our transitional program, there's a time of fellowship and ministry of the Word. A real community created there. Well, I love the aspect that you're, you're saying you must be serving at your church in some capacity. That just seems, Absolutely. that gives them purpose right from the get-go, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. and it seems to be the biblical model. What do you take it from? What what portion of scripture can you think of it? Uh, I would say Hebrews ten twenty four, where it says to provoke one another to love and to good works, hmm. and to not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. And Paul, and you know, First Corinthians twelve, where he says each of us are members one of another, and that every part of the body has a function for the nourishment and edification of all, um, and that, in a sense, that we aren't created to be served, but to serve. You know, and a lot of people and, you know, especially in the South, they show up to church every single week and and they've gotten wet, but they haven't really been baptized. And their Christianity is just a thin veneer over the rest of their life. And they don't think about serving others or living out the gospel unless they're hearing it in church on a Sunday. Wow. And so we want to countercultural in that way where, you know, we are doing missions and discipleship in the context of a prison, but we don't. We, yeah, our 96% success rate is great, and that's saving South Carolina taxpayers $12 million a year. And, you know, all of that markets pretty well. But what we're really trying to do is disciple men and women so they're living passionately for Jesus Christ. And they are then making other disciples, breaking generational cycles of crime and poverty in their family and in their neighborhood, showing up for employers and working for the Lord and not for people. And really just allowing their lives to be a testament and a trophy of God's grace. That is great, Kerry. Well, our guest today on His People was arrested 17 times before he turned 17. He served three sentences in juvenile justice systems, and he was released on his 17th birthday only to shoot someone during an armed robbery three months later. That sent him back into prison, now facing a life sentence, but was released for good behavior. He now works with other inmates in South Carolina and 
with a mentorship program that encourages them to know that they have purpose in Jesus Christ. Carrie, what would you say to the inmate that's maybe even listening right now? What encouragement do you have for them? Take God at his word. Yeah, if they're, I would say if they're listening to this, there's a good chance they're a believer. If they're tuning into this station, take God at his word. You know, I, I, that volunteer challenged me when I was about going to college and I didn't think it was possible. He, he said, Carrie, you know, the other week in our class, you taught that with God, all things are possible. And he said, you spoke about that so eloquently. He said, but as I listen to you talk about what your future could look like, he said, you know, I'm not sure you actually believe that. I think you believe that your future is, is dictated by your past. And with God, that's not so. Hmm. He said, yeah, there, you know, there always may be consequences for the things you did. But what God's got for you and the doors he wants to open for you, he's sovereign. He'll take care of it as you trust and obey him. I would love to see a picture, you know, give us a, a word picture of your best ex-prisoner situation, maybe a story of an ex-inmate that you were able to help. Can you give us, can you walk us through one of the best scenarios, best stories you have? Oh man, I don't know. I've got so many, it's going to be so hard to choose favorites. We do have a devotional called Comeback Stories, A Prisoner No More. Oh. That's got 30 of these kind of stories in it. It is available on Amazon or if someone doesn't want to pay the nine bucks for it, if they'll send us an email to our website, we'd be happy to send them a free copy or a copy to a prisoner that they know that they'd like to have a copy. We'd love to do that free of charge. Um, Well, one of my favorite stories is by the guy by the name of Justin Durrell. He grew up in a military family, uh, you know, was a manager in his early 20s, built his own home, had everything going. um, And then someone talked him into trying drugs. Mm. He became a full-blown addict almost overnight, lost everything, ended up and committed like four armed robberies in the span of an hour. Um, And I met him while he was incarcerated, you know, watched him grow in his faith. Um, when he got out, he went to the work at the city of Easley, which is a, you know, a small municipality here in South Carolina and started working on the back of a trash truck. Um, he, within a couple of years, he was the deputy director of public works for the whole city, uh, managing, you know, hundred people or so. I um, mean, now he has come back to work for us. He was their employee of the year last year. And in 2021, he was the employee of the year for the city of Easley. And then he reached out to us this year and he said, hey, you know, I've made a good bit of money. And uh, my wife is a, you know, she does very well. And he said, I just, I want to give back. Do you have anything I can do? And so he launched a landscaping company for us under the umbrella of our nonprofit. That's really a social enterprise where we're doing, um, you know, commercial landscaping. So we're creating workforce development opportunities in that way. And it's fueling our mission. And so for him to kind of come full circle in that way and choose to come back and serve and take a pay cut and all of those kind of things, I mean, it's just been a beautiful thing to see. Um, Well, Carrie, do you hope that this program is going to span the entire nation eventually, or are you, are you, your sole plans or, or to stay there in South Carolina? Yeah. So, you know, a couple of years ago, because of our success rate um, and because the director of corrections was championing us among his colleagues, 
Um, we did. We have launched Jumpstart in Georgia, Alabama, North Carolina, and Ohio. Um, and so it's not us here in South Carolina trying to do it there. We are trying to equip them to do it in their community. And they're doing a great job at it. So, And that can happen anywhere, any of the states. Yeah, absolutely. There's a group of volunteers that want to do prison ministry and reentry ministry. We'd love to hear from them. And we've got it where they can come on a tour and learn more about what we're doing. Now, this program is for everyone, but I have to ask, what do you do with those that have been imprisoned for sex offending crimes or violent crimes? They aren't always um, permitted into certain programs. How about yours? Yeah, we do not discriminate based on the nature of offenses at all. Do you have a hard time uh, placing those, though, afterwards, or how does that go? No, in our transitional program, if they've completed our program, yeah. um, they're eligible regardless of the offense they went to prison for. Good for you. That is great. I bet the prison wardens, uh, especially the ones listening to this, I bet even there in South Carolina, they're extremely supportive of you guys. They, they need, they want something like this, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They've got a really tough job and I wouldn't want their job for any amount of money in the world. Um, but they, most of them are going to work saying, Hey, how can we make our community a safer place? How can we see lives get back on track? And we love to partner with them in those efforts. It, there must be a waiting list for your, your group that's going on right now. Is that true? Yeah. In almost every prison, we have to do a selection and an interview process. Now, can inmates from other prison systems across the nation join up with your program, maybe online or even live at one of your transitional houses once they are released in South Carolina? No, 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 sir. Nothing like that. Nothing's established just yet. No, sir. Not yet. No. Carrie, we just have a couple of moments remaining, but I'm wondering, I'm, I'm thinking of the person listening in that is making bad decisions. And for whatever reason, they're listening into the radio today what would you tell that young person that is in a rut of making dumb choices like you did? Yeah. I would say to find a believer, if they are a believer, yeah. um, to find a believer that they can be transparent with and give that believer enough authority to have hold them accountable to the change they know they need to make. Um, if it's someone who's not a believer, here would be my challenge. Everything they've probably tried hasn't satisfied that yearning in their soul for more. And so maybe they should entertain the idea that they were created for more than this world. Amen. And that maybe there is a creator who can satisfy um, what they're seeking. I just have one more question as we, we say goodbye is how have the churches responded to your needs and, and helped you out? Has it been good? Uh, for, yeah, for the most part, now we, you know, we have over 40 church partners in the state of South Carolina. We definitely need more to, um, to achieve um, the goals we believe God has given us. Um, but for the most part, churches have been supportive. Carrie, how can our listeners learn more about your program? Give us that website you mentioned earlier or just some way that they, maybe even social media. Yeah, www.jumpstartvision.org. Um, or you can find us online on Facebook at Jumpstart Ministry. On LinkedIn, it's just Jumpstart. Kerry Sanders, thanks for being with us today on His People. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Coming up on tomorrow's program, Lindsay Carlson, pointing women toward the encouragement only 
God provides. I think that women are very quick to problem solve and think, oh man, we really have a problem with discouragement in our church, or oh man, I really wish our church was filled with more encouraging people. But we're very slow to think, how could I pick up the mantle of becoming a better encourager within the body of Christ that he has placed me in? That's tomorrow at the same time right here on His People. Thanks for listening.